good to be back. Vicky's still down there. I got to go back and get her yet, but uh, and uh, John Donner's still down there. But uh, we've had a we've had a wonderful time off, wonderful vacation. I've visited several churches and uh, preached in one. Only did pre- only preached in one this year, but um, I'll tell you what. Uh, no, and went in some large churches. Nobody, they, there's no church that holds a candle to this music. You know, <laughs> we were so blessed with uh, with uh, everybody that's up here. Just it's uh, I was in a pretty good sized church last week. And uh, uh, nothing wrong with their music, but it just it, it just doesn't hold a candle to you guys. And I just appreciate you so much. Um, had a lot of things happen. Uh, a lot of things went on while I was gone. Uh, just different deaths took place, and some other some good things happened. Not all bad things, but we'll talk about a few of them as we go through the sermon today. I've got a two-part sermon starts this Sunday, and then we'll finish it up next Sunday. Uh, it's called uh, Living Letters, and it's out of First out of Second Corinthians chapter three. Uh, so it's about uh, it's about who we are, and, and uh, well, let's just get started. You want to? You guys ready? You haven't heard me preach in a couple weeks. You ready? 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 Yeah, good, good. Uh, you know, if I don't preach one week, I, I sat in a sermon last week, and a guy did a beautiful job. But the whole time I'm sitting here, I'm just like, why am I doing sitting here? I, I need to be preaching. I can't, it's hard for me to take off one week. I just, I just can't stand it. Uh, I just love to preach. Uh, let's start. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we thank you, Father, for, for rest and peace. And uh, Father, but there's no place like home. And, and Lord, I just thank you so much for uh, this church and, 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 the, and the Holy Spirit that continues to work through us and all around us and all about us, Father. And Lord, we just pray that we bring glory to your name and that uh, Nineveh would take notice, Father, and, and more lives would change. And, and Father, we just ask you to continue to change us and mold us and break us and change us. And Father, let, never let us be satisfied but content. And Lord, we just ask you to bless this morning, Lord, as we learn about living letters. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh. Do you know that, um, that no matter with... Without, even without a voice, you're a, you're a, you're a letter, and, and that living letter is, is who you are. Uh, my friend Alvin died while I was gone. I've known that man for close to 20 years, and I read a little, read a, I wrote a eulogy on him, and they read it at the funeral. I couldn't be there, and uh, he had one thing that worked on him, and it was a thumb. Uh, he had multiple sclerosis his whole life, and Never walked, never, never had really. His mom and dad had been had been gone for many, many years. Lived in a nursing home for the last 20 years, and he wasn't. He was only. He was 52 when he died. He outlived him. He's supposed to have died about 30 years ago, and they just kept on living. And but he was a remarkable man. Even though he only had a thumb that worked, he became these living letters to people throughout the whole world. Because he could use that thumb to use the computer. And there would be oftentimes I'd get phone calls maybe in the middle of the night from people in China and Bulgaria and, and Pakistan. And, and uh, it, just, it didn't matter. It was somewhere in the world. I'd, I'd be getting a phone call. I'd be on this, this conference call with somebody. And, and sometimes I couldn't hardly wake up. And I would say, Paul, wake up. You've got to talk to this guy. You've got to talk to this lady. And it was just, it, that's what he did. He, he spread the word. He did a lot of things. But he spread the word of God. He would... He sent out Bible after Bible. He would call me and he would say, I need a Bible written in such and such a language. And uh, if we couldn't find it, we'd, we'd do our best to get him a Bible in whatever language because he was going to mail that out to some place in the world. Now, most people never knew that he, the disease he had, the thing that he had wrong with him. Maybe if they got to know him long enough, they would know. They thought it was just a, 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 another person on the other line. 
But that, that man did more with a thumb than most people in the church do all their lives. Because he, he was a living letter for God. He loved the Lord. Now, he had every reason that a normal person could just say, I'm done, I'll give up, nothing works on me, I can't even itch my own nose. Every time I want a, a drink of water, I've got to ask for it. Especially the nurse coming in, he'd have to almost beg for it. He was, had humility, his humility was unbelievable. Because he had to rely on other people. He was, a, he was a wonderful man. I loved him dearly. Uh, and when I think of Alvin, I think that he's this understanding of this living letter. Because when people would talk Alvin, even though they didn't know who he looked like or anything, they heard one thing over and over and over again. It was Jesus Christ. What a remarkable man. I'm, I'm going to miss him. He's going to hold the gate closed on me for a few seconds when I get there. Yeah, that was one thing he joked about with everybody. I'm going to hold the gate shut on, on Paul as soon as he gets up there. I'm holding the gate shut for a few seconds. So uh, when I get, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> but, you know, I can't wait to meet him in heaven because, you know, I never got to see him walk or, or do anything. And every time he had to move in his wheelchair, I had to put his hand on his, in a in a, in a very precise place where his thumb had to work and if his wrist wasn't in the right place nothing would work and then as he grew that thumb started giving up on him we, we had to give him a different wheelchair where he could blow and sip and puff where he could move around and uh i won't quit talking about alvin but he just re he's the he's the ultimate living letter and uh, i'm thankful that i got to know him and uh, you know the sad thing about people like that is when i first met him i was I think it was my first year in BSF, many, many, many years ago now. And I, I had not been around people uh, like Alvin. I would always stay away from them because not that I didn't like them or anything. It's just because it, I felt awkward because they were so needy. And I remember the first uh, night we had, one night we had a sharing night. Oh, no, a, uh, I forget what they call it now. And it was a personal night. You would go in and you would eat, eat dinner with people, the people in your class. And, and, and there wasn't nobody, hardly anybody there, me and the leader and, and Alvin. And, uh, and the leader says, will you feed Alvin? I said, whoa, wait a minute. You, you're way out of my comfort zone here. You want to put my hands on this guy's food and put it in his mouth and feed him? And he said, well, yeah, what's the big deal? And a lot of you, you think about that. Now that. To me, that was a dramatic part of my life that God was changing. And sometimes it takes dramatic things to change. But if we want to be a living letter for God, We've got to hold still and do exactly, no matter what it looks like, right there at that time and do it. And as I picked up that food, this, this humble man, he would open up his mouth and I'd shove it in there. You know, and it, it just, and it, it was the hardest, one of the hardest things I ever did in my life because I didn't want to do it. But yet this man was depending on me to do it. And I, I had to do it in, a, in a such a way that was like, to not let people know I didn't want to do it. It was very difficult. But I, I, I've learned humility that way. And, it, and God put Alvin in my life because I needed to learn some humility. To depend on God. To depend on, on, on other people even that can help me get through where God wants to take me. What a remarkable man. So as we go through this this morning, put that in the back of your mind. Love's power is within your living letters. There's power within your life. This, this letter that you are to everybody else that reads who you are, there's power in it. 
It's, the more you know understand God, the more you, you fall in love with God, and the more the Holy Spirit becomes part of your life, the more power you receive. And I'll share some of that with you today. Jesus says, lose to win. Now that particular day, I had to lose something part of my life to feed Alvin. I had to, 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 to take part of my life, something I never wanted to do. Where's Vicki? She would do it. And I had to do something. I saw I, I, I have to lose to win. And that was just a, a, a small step, although it was a large step for me, to get where God was taking me. Because I can tell you, the, all those things put together brought me to be the person I am. Amen? You, we can't take anything for granted. Everything that God puts in front of us is part of God molding you and taking you where he wants you to be. And he's got this, you've got to have this understanding of that we are a living letter to the whole world. And, and we'll start here in Luke for a few minutes, but th- and everybody, everybody's familiar with this, but I want to stretch on a little bit this morning. This is Jesus. Then he said to them, said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, everybody raise your hand. You know this scripture? Nobody knows it? <laughs> if any, if any, he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So you have to lose who you are to follow Christ. Does that make sense? And that's why I always say you either change or you leave because you've got to lose who you think you are, what your whole life has been, and redo it, rethink it, and allow God to remold it. We've got to lose. I had to lose things in my life to be able to do the things that God called me to my life. Now, Alvin became a very close friend of mine for many, many years. He, we spent, he would come to our house, and, and a Buddy was always there, and other people were always there, and he would, we would have Thanksgiving with him, we'd have Christmas with him, and he became a close friend. His birthday was August the 1st. He was about 10 years younger than me. And so that night, one night of, of, of starting to, to feed this man, it started this relationship and many of night, I would catch myself going to see Alvin. And every time I would meet people, and I, I knew they needed some humility in their life, you know where I would take them? To Alvin. And every time people would start to feel sorry for themselves and that their whole life was messed up, I'd say, oh, I got a place we need to go. We're going over to Willow Creek over in Columbus. I got you to meet somebody. And by the time they got out from meeting Alvin, their life was really good. Amen. So Alvin used, God was able to use Alvin and me together for a lot of different things. If anyone desires to come after me, in other words, to follow Christ, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Everybody say that one word. Say it again. Daily. Daily. Now we got, there's all kinds of crosses. I brought a little, I saw a cross, and I've talked about this cross before, what it means, I'm not going to today, but it's just, it's a cross. It's a, it means more than just a, two trees put together. There's a whole lot more meaning to this. And for me, I, I have to, the size of it, some of us pick up little crosses we put in our pocket, we wear them around our necks or on our fingers. The size of it really doesn't matter. It's what it really means to you what it represents to your life. 
And as we deny ourselves and we start to grow more in Jesus Christ, we start to take on the truth of God and the will of God and the spirit of God. And our lives will change. Sometimes I get to feeling like a weirdo because I, I, my mind is always set on God. It's always the same. I say, why? Why am I waking up praying and hearing this and hearing that? And other people don't do that. And I, I say, what? am I crazy? My family says I'm a fanatic. And, and, and is, am I nuts? Amen. <laughs> I don't know. I just happen to love God. He just happens to be the biggest part of my life. And I'm only, only that way because he brought me that way. Amen? Because, man, there was a lot of long, long time I didn't. I wasn't that way. For he, whoever desires to save his life, will lose it. So if I desire to stay the way I've been, then Jesus says I'm going to lose my life. That means I'm going to spend eternity without him. No, I don't know about you, but that's important to me. Now, most of the world, they don't really care. They don't, it's, it's, it just doesn't matter to them. And unfortunately, a lot of the church is that way. It just doesn't matter. All the little things going on is what matters. But the problem is, if we, if we would learn to filter everything through Jesus Christ, then all our issues would be to and from him, and life becomes so much more. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Heaven or hell. A wonderful life here on earth, even though the persecutions will come, even though you may have to go all the way to sacrifice your physical life for Christ someday. No matter what takes place, as long as it's for Christ and working through Christ, no matter what's going on, we're going to be okay. Amen? Some of us have to learn that the hard way, don't we? Well, once you learn it, you hang on to it. In verse 25, for what profit is it to, is it to a man if he gains the whole world and, in his, as, and is himself destroyed or lost? There's no profit in it. Nothing but total destruction and loss. That verse up there in 23 where it says, follow me. I was telling Brooke this morning. Jesus talks, Jesus says that more times in the gospel than anything else. Follow me. He says it over and over again. Follow me. He, he emphasizes it. He can't say it enough. Follow me. Cole, where are you at? Come on up here, Cole. You know, God told me to use you about three days ago. And I already <laughs> sat right there. Now, Cole... I want you to do me a favor. I want you to follow me. You just do whatever. Just, okay. just follow me. Mimic you or follow you? Both. Whatever you want to do, buddy. <laughs> just follow me. You doing it all right? You see what I'm saying? You see this? Don't let go. Don't let go. That's follow me. Je Jesus doesn't say, now, go over and stand over there for me, will you? You say right there. He doesn't say, follow me from over there in a distance or, or follow me where. He says, follow me. Now, I know about you, but, but if I'm not into the word of God, if I'm not praying, how am I going to follow him? How am I going to know what he's doing? How am I going to know the direction? How am I going to know when he brings somebody to my life and, and this person just is going to enrich my life, although I see no way it's going to enrich my life, but he says, follow me. 
So therefore, even not having any understanding, you follow him. Wow. That's how you follow Jesus. You can't follow him if you're not with him. Amen? Because you get lost. Things pop up. Things get in the way. Distractions everywhere. If you're not with him, you can't follow him. And if you don't have a relationship with him, it's going to be hard to understand the things that come into your life. And you say, I'm not doing that. Well, then you're not following Jesus. It's that plain and simple. And if you want to be this living letter for Christ, which I want to be a living letter, then I've got to follow him. And it's so important to Jesus that he uses it more than anything else in the Gospels. Follow me, follow me, follow Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. Thanks, Cole. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Everything in this world is going to be burned up in the end. Amen? It's burned up. You're not going to have a U-Haul behind your coffin. You're not going to have any of that stuff. Everything's gone. And what you've done here on earth is going to determine your next life. Is your success in ministry, ministry defined by a personal checklist or changed lives? And this, is a difficult, this is a difficult principle. Because a lot of, a lot of churches that, 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 that preach on grace plus this, they're going to live by a checklist. Grace plus. Now, y'all know I'm, I'm grace, grace, and grace, and grace, and that's it, grace. I don't have anything about grace and plus. I have grace. And, and I, I know that I'm only saved through grace. I know that I can only do things through grace because I know what I should be. Completely away from God and lost. But his grace, his mercy brought me home. So it's not in my world, in all the scriptures that I read, it's grace plus nothing. It's grace. And if, if Jesus gives me so much grace, a man that doesn't deserve grace, and he does it through a, through a man in a wheelchair, and then one day, maybe a few years later, I start to understand why. But my job was to follow him no matter where it takes me. Amen? See, if you want to be this living letter, if you want to really be this, then it's going to start with the most obscure things in your life, things that you have, you say, well, that had nothing to do with my life. Thought to stay away. That, that, no, that's not from God. Can't be, can it? After all, I don't know anything about that disease, or after all, I don't know anything about that type of drug issue or, or that thing, so none of that can be from God. God brings an older person in your life that, that knows so much about Christ. And he wants to show you so much as he did with me with D.G. Morris. He brought that man in to show me love, to love people. And here I am, a, a man in his 40s and 50s, and I'm, I'm hanging out with a guy in his 80s. And I'm picking him up and taking him to breakfast when I, got to, I almost carry him. And I'm thinking, why do I do this every single week? Why am I doing this? Because I'm trying to be a love letter for God. Amen? Because God put me there. And my heart had a passion for that man. He had love and knowledge, and I knew I needed it, even though it was hard to deal with. Because Christ said, follow me. He doesn't give you the opportunity to say, well, I'll follow you this way or that way. He puts the people in front of you. He puts the things in front of you. And you have that moment, that time to say yes or no. The difficulties and all the other things, and the times off work and all that other stuff, 
God says, follow me. One thing we don't do as Christians is if we, if we would learn to pay attention to the things that God puts in front of us, we would learn to grow closer to God because the things he puts in front of us are there for a purpose, amen? I believe no coincidences. I believe that God allows everything in place in me that I can get closer to him. In some way, it's going to work for me to get closer to know him, and it's going to benefit the person that I'm helping, but probably going to benefit me more. Amen? Those people that I've helped over the years and done things with, whether it's a drug addict, no matter what it is, I have benefited more from that than they did. I was learning the humility. I was learning to love. I was learning to follow Jesus Christ. I preach, I love to preach with my heart out because this is all I know how to do. I can't preach eloquent. I can't preach it was certain like a teacher or something. I have to do it differently. I give you all I've got because Christ gave me all he had. Amen. Most times I go home, I'm so tired because the adrenaline's pumping through me. I don't know how to tell people any more different than you've got to fall in love with God. You've just got to learn to fall in love with God. And if you're not interested in that, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Your life is going to continue to get harder and harder, especially if you made a commitment to him. Is your success in ministry defined by a personal checklist or changed lives? And if it's changed lives, amen. Amen. And that changed life should be yours, along with whoever else you're helping. But yours. Yours. 2 Corinthians 3.1, we'll get started here. It says, do we begin again to... Somebody give me that, say that word for me. Say it again. Commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of what? Say it again. Accommodation to your letters accommodation from you and this is Paul and he's going back to the second to the Corinthians to the church and he's got some Satan has got his thing Satan always has his thing doesn't he and he's bringing false teachers in there false preachers and false Christians and false church people bringing them in and they're gonna try to stop stop Paul from telling the truth well, I'm going to tell you, I told uh, somebody this morning, it was a principle I've lived by for years, I've told you many times, I'll tell you again, it's going to go good for this one. It's if you're not fighting evil, there's no good for evil to fight. Can you say that for me? If you're not fighting evil, there's no good for evil to fight. The lost world, they out there, nothing really much happens to them. Things happen like it happened to everybody, but boy, to the Christian that's following Christ, I can count on it, you can count on it, baby. Satan's coming after you. He's coming after you. You just chalk it up there. He's coming after you. And if he's not coming after you, maybe God's giving you an edge of protection around you for a period, but he's going to be coming after you. Do we begin, do we begin again to condemn, commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles, the combination to your letters, the combination for you? Do I need letters to preach the word of God? Do you need letters to preach the word of God? These false teachers say, well, just who are you, Paul? What gives you the authority to come in here and tell me how to live? Who do you think you are? Man, you know how many times I've heard that in different words? 
And so Paul's about to let him have it. You know, I've got, I've got, we have license, I have a certificate of license. I've had it for many, many years. I have ordination by seven men right here. Do you, need, do you guys need to see that? I have it if you need to see it. And that's what they're wanting. But I tell you what, if you're a living letter from God, then there's no reason you're not preaching for God. Amen? You may not have been called to, to preach or, or to run a church, but my goodness, you've been called to be that letter for Christ. These people are trying to disturb, disrupt, and Paul's come, going to come right after him. Your life is a letter, a message God penned without ink. That's what your life is. And I guess the, the clearest thing I can ask you is, what do other people, if other people say something about you, what are they going to say about you? What's, what's the first things they're going to say about you? Well, I know, they're gonna, I know what they're going to say about me. They, hey, I'm a crazy guy. I love Jesus Christ. Or something about horses or this or that and the other. But the main focus of my life is Jesus Christ. He said, well, not everybody's called to be like that, Paul. Well, I'm sorry. You have. You just don't want to be called to be like that. You don't want to believe it. One of my sisters a long time ago, Lord love her, she's in church now, she's doing great. But at the time, she was struggling. And she got tired of me talking to her. We were sitting in a restaurant one time, she threw up her arms. She says, not everybody's got like you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought there was one Bible in one way. Did I miss that somewhere? We have different personalities, different perspectives, but we're all called to be a love letter, a living letter for God. You are an epistle written in your hearts, known and read by who? All men. Since I've been gone, there's been a lot of things going on, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to 11, 22, I'm going to tell you a story. You've heard me talk about God stories many times, and I've been gaining a few God stories since I've been gone. I'll tell you one, one or two this week. One of them was a lady, young lady about 30, 35, got saved the first week I was preaching in another church. That's a good one. Amen? Yeah. Me and Vicki were riding our, 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 me and Vicky was by ourselves, and we were riding our, our Harley, our bike, and we were uh, heading back to the motorhome, good little ways off, and we were in a lot of traffic down, on the, <clears throat> down around Venice, Florida and a lot of traffic in that beach area where we is at. <clears throat> I'm talking, we'll tell you a story because it's about a living letter and how God works through all kinds of circumstances. And as we was riding, there was a lot of traffic, and, I'm, and, and, and I know Florida, and, and it's just full of traffic, and people don't watch, and they don't pay attention, and, and so I'm always as careful as I can be, and I'm in the pass, I'm in the, the, the third lane, and I, I like that lane because people can't turn off the side roads on you too much. So I'm in the third lane, and we're stopped at a light, and the heat's coming off the bike, and the, it's just hot, and, and, and I'm watching the cars and stuff come this way, and there's a couple bikes coming this way, and I was watching them. And as they, as they got up this way, a truck, we just took off from the light, and a truck, we, I hadn't even left the light yet, and a, a truck pulled over on one of those motorcycles. And all I could see was that guy hitting that front brake, and that bike went about, boom! And that man come off there like Superman, right in front of my face. And he bounced and hit that road, and, and he just, on the road on that black top, oh, my goodness. 
just like Superman. And his helmet hit the road, and off goes the helmet, and the bike's just flying down there. And it's just, a, it's just all of a sudden, it's like, what in the world am I seeing? Now, I've been through this, I can't, I, countless times. I've got story after story. Have I've always somehow been there when people are dying and wrecks and motorcycle wrecks, and even my front yard and all kinds of things. So I wasn't shocked. I, I'm, I'm getting used to, although I don't want to get used to it, I'm getting to understand that, that I'm right here, right this moment for a purpose. Amen? And Vicky's going hysterical on the back of the bike, you know. Get over there, Paul, get over there. Well, I don't know anything about, I'm not a doctor. I know Joshua, there's a fireman, he knows how to do some things. I, there's only, you know what I know to do? Say pray. Come on, everybody say pray. That's all I know to do. That is it. But here I am, and there's cars everywhere, six lanes of traffic. Everybody's looking. I jump off my bike, throw the helmet down, and I get over as fast as I can. You know what I do? I get on my knees. I've got nothing else to offer this man. He's unconscious. The blood, his face is straight down on the blacktop. The heat is coming off the blacktop. The blood looks like a bucket of blood just got thrown out on the road. He's 72 years old. His name was Jerry. It was a disaster. Because I saw the man fly. And men don't fly. I started to get on both my knees and I put my hands on that man's back. I didn't know who he was. His friend was getting off his bike. The cars were stopping and people were grabbing around. And I started to pray out loud. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Because see, that's all I've got. Amen. I knew that I had to be a living letter right then. That's what I knew. That's what God called me to. That's why he had me there. And that friend of his reached down and put his hand on my back. And the tears were flowing. Oh, God. Would you please get the ambulance here quick? Would you please help this man? Oh, Lord, don't let him die right here. Don't let him die away from his family. Lord, help him right now. Well, I'll tell you what. It was about four or five minutes, and here comes the ambulance. Here comes the police. Quick to get there. And I just kept praying over him. The people around me, you could see them. They were starting to pray. Here I am in Florida where it's a, oh, it's a crazy place, and the traffic has stopped. Six lanes of traffic stopped, and people are praying. Amen. People are praying, love letters, a living letter is praying because God put us there. Now, I'll tell you what, I could have just drove off, amen? I could have just drove off and said, sorry for that guy. But then I remembered something. I'm a Christian. I'm called by God to do one thing over people like this, and that is pray. I knelt with that guy, and he finally got his conscience back. And I got the, a towel under his head and started getting the blood off and his hands out of the blood. And a friend, his friend, this guy was 72 years old. His friend, everybody was kind of hysterical at the time. And I reached out of my billfold and got my card and I said, here, if you need me, call me. So the ambulance took Jerry away didn't get to speak to him very much. Later on that afternoon, I was sitting back at the motor home, and I get a phone call. 
He says, do you, do you remember me? I said, well, yeah, I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> and he, called, he ended up calling me twice. He says, I want to tell you something. Jerry's walking out of the hospital. He says, it was the prayers that saved him. It was the prayers that saved him. I can't thank you enough, preacher, for the prayers. And for all the things, he said, me and Jerry, we're going to have a long talk about God. I don't know where the man was saved or not. And we had to go, and about a half hour later, he calls me back. And he says, he said, i got to tell you, I'm just so thankful that God had you there. Now, normally Mr. Paul here would drive away because I don't want to be around stuff like that. Well, Josh, you're called to that. But I don't want, Josh is a fireman. I don't want to be around stuff like that. And most of you probably don't either. But over the years, so many times that God has put me in those positions, I've learned that I'm there for a purpose. And if it wasn't for people like Alvin and DG and so many other things that have gone on in my life, Watching those living letters become love to me. I could not have done what I've done. Amen? We're called to be living letters. And you never know when it's going to take place. You can be out on vacation, having a wonderful time with your wife, and in a split second, God says, right here is where you belong. Get on your knees, and don't you pray silently. You pray out loud. And let the world hear you. Living letters. You are an epistle. And God will call upon you at any time to use your letter. Amen? Now I'm going to tell you something. If you're not close to God, if you don't have a relationship with God, you'll truly drive away. You'll truly go on because... We don't want to deal with those things in our life. We've got enough issues in our life. We've got enough ugly things in our life. I don't want to deal with a dying person on the side of the road. But what if that person was dying, and if he would have died, he would have ended up in hell? And by you just stopping and praying over that person, it could change his life for eternity. See, God uses us. We are his epistles. We are his letters of love. Letters written through the love, strength, and grace of our Lord are written for the, for the hearts of those willing to open his living letters. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. This is Paul speaking. Clearly, clearly, he's calling the church. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. No matter when Satan's coming after you, like Satan coming after him right now, no matter what's taking issues in your life, you are clearly an epistle of Christ because you died with him. You, you let your life go and you took on a different life, a life of Christ. The Holy Spirit has moved in and your life has changed. The way you were is not the way you are. Everything about you should start to change. We all change in different time frames and different things the way God uses that, but we change. Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Now, that ministered by us, that's the church. 
Paul's the pastor. You have to be ministered. It's another reason that people say, well, I don't need to be in church. Yes, you do. That's Satan putting those things. You don't really want to be in church. That's the problem. It's a heart issue. You've got a real deep heart issue that you're not dealing with. Because if you're not being ministered by, by uh, somebody that's, that's, that's under the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're not doing it the way God's telling us to do it. Ministered by us. Written, not with ink. So your life it can't be written down with ink. Whatever they put on your tombstone, that may tell a, a wondering stranger as they walk up of, of maybe a time and a frame of, of who you were. But it can't tell the whole story of who you were. Just like Alvin. We had a, a, a lady down in Mexico. Talked to her for years and years with Alvin. And finally she was working up here in somewhere in the, I think it was Baltimore. And she said, I'm flying. And she called me. And I can't remember her name. I think her name was Rachel. She was flying in. And she, she knew my number. She knew me. I talked to her over and over again. She was from Bulgaria. Not Mexico. From Bulgaria. And she said, I'm flying in. I want to meet Alvin. Can you pick me up at the airport? I've only got a few hours. I'll be there. Me and Vicky went down and got her. Took her to the airport, met Alvin, took her out to dinner when we was taking her back to the airport. You know what? She got to see Alvin, how Alvin really was. She knew Alvin had some difficulties, but she had no idea of a man that could only use a thumb because Alvin wasn't a complainer. He didn't complain a whole lot. But he was being the exact living letter for Christ. I am so thankful that I can preach about him today. He ministered to many. Amen? And he didn't have an ordination. He didn't have a license. Somewhere down the line, he got a letter from God. It was an invitation to come to Jesus Christ. He opened up that invitation, and he put his name on that, and he became a child of God. Amen? That's all he needed. That's all he needed. And he followed Jesus to the best ability that he could. Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but, with, but by the Spirit of the living God. Amen? The living God. Not on tablets of stone, which takes you back to the Ten Commandments, but on tablets of flesh. Jesus Christ was in the flesh. That, that is of the heart. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to be the living letter that he's called me to be. Let's stand. Brooke, you can come on up. The challenge for the week, as individuals, each one of us, and as of the church uniting together, we have a responsibility toward humanity to be God's letters of love and life. I wrote this about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago. Before I knew that I was going to be in the front of a, what we thought was a dying man. If the church is unwilling to go through the persecutions and the trials that Satan will surely throw at you. And it may cost you a lot. And surely Jesus Christ will come back soon. 
Because this church is not going to die. He's always holding out a remnant. We're few here today. Not everybody's here. Jesus, I believe it says, where one or two are gathered, he is there. We'll finish this uh, second part of this next week. The only thing I'm going to ask you to do this week is to look where God wants to use you, no matter what it looks like. It could be the simplest things. It could be the most difficult things. But God has saved you so he can use you. Amen? If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. Some of you need to maybe get a little closer to God. Some of you may need to be, may have no idea what I'm even talking about today. It was a blessing to pray over that man in front of all those people, in front of the police officers. It was a real blessing that the guy called me back. Those are the blessings of life. Those are the blessings from God. To be used by God at the strangest times. If you're looking for a blessing somewhere else, your heart's not right. And I'm not saying God won't bless you in other ways because he will. He blesses me with more abundance of material things than I, one man ever needed. But he wants to bless you in different ways. Amen. He wants to bless you, cling down to your heart. He wants you to be a, a living letter. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Father, I thank you for the message. I thank you for the, everyone here today, Lord. I thank you for Jerry, Father, that, that lived. I thank you for Alvin, that was such a close friend. And Lord, I know he's, in, he's just having a wonderful time today. Lord, I look forward to meeting him and a new life and a new body and a new way of looking at him. Father, but as long as I'm here, Father, I pray that my letter continues to get longer, that there's a lot of pages to my letter. Oh, Father, help us become children of God that you've called us to be. Let us not worry about other people. The situations going on in churches and other places. Oh, Father, let us just grow closer to you. Love our enemies. Love them. Teach us to be humble, to be patient, and to always show grace, especially when hate wants to rise. Lord, would you bless these people today? It's in Jesus' name. Come and enjoy the Lord today.